Academy Award-winning actress Charlize Theron elected to do a guest appearance on a new series on the Fox Network created by Seth, Seth MacFarlane. Oh, girl. <laughs> Let's uh, one sound review it. Uh, sure. The show is The Orville, and the name of the episode is Priya. And here's our one sound reviews. Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> Mm. Mm. So we weren't impressed. No. But here's the thing. I'm kind of glad that I was made to watch this show because it was not at all what I expected. I thought this was a parody show. It, I think it is supposed to be a parody it show. It is not a parody is, at all. It has the <laughs> lowest joke density of any comedy show in history. It has lower joke density than a lot of sci-fi shows. Yes. Like, certainly lower than Firefly, for example. Absolutely. Oh my god. It, I mean, it's basically <laughs> just a straight-up Star Trek show, minus buying the rights, but then they also make some very juvenile jokes. Uh, but incredibly mildly. Yeah. And mostly very lame. Yes. Like, they're really, really not trying very hard to be funny. No. I didn't crack a smile a one time. I laughed at a couple things, but I am, as we've discussed, a laugh slut. So I also think it's <laughs> worth noting that you both watched all of the existing episodes, which I believe are four. There's five, five episodes. Five. Yes. So Bob and I are nerds and completists, and <laughs> I had them on in the background while I was building a new makeup organizing structure. <laughs> I just watched this one just now, and I feel like by the time we finish recording, I will already have forgotten that I've ever seen it. It's so bland, and A, I don't understand why we need a Star Trek parody show now. It's not, though. It's just a Star Trek show. <laughs> it is, but it also feels like, and not to be insulting to public access television, but a public access television show. Like, everyone's lines are delivered like, please, do this. Oh, let us have a cocktail hour. This is a strawberry thing. And they're not the robots that are talking. It was just like, and, and the people in it, uh, the, the actress who I lovingly think of as Ceiling Girlfriend from Supernatural. <laughs> Adrienne Palicki, who you may also know from Friday Night Lights. And most importantly, from Choking John Wick with her leather jacket. Yes. Or um, she was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and she is number one on my Hollywood women I would like to have sex with list. Number one? Yeah. Uh, definitely, when she was on Friday Night Lights, I was like, I would like to have sex with this person. I I yeah. was curious when we were watching this because I was really excited when she got cast as Wonder Woman for a TV show, Wonder Woman, yes. which then did not come out. And I was like, I'm curious how she feels about Wonder Woman, the movie. And I am very excited with Gal Gadot as 
the movie Wonder Woman. Yeah. But I thought she would have been good at that era, although... I she mean, would have been a great TV Wonder Woman. Yeah, I'm I really... certain there was an article where someone asked her and she was all for it. Like, positive sunshine and roses. Oh, yeah. She I seems like, like a positive a... sunshine and roses person. Yes. I just mean, like, on a personal level, like, that would be an exciting role. And then to be like, oh, like, I never got to do it. Like, I feel like actors' lives must be littered with, I had this opportunity or this pilot that didn't come to be. It would have been fun to go down that road that I did right. That's all. I feel like that speculation is more interesting than this entire episode. <laughs> it's going to be hard to keep me so, on track because I don't have a lot to say. Here's the thing. That speculation is more interesting than all but one of the episodes that have aired so far. There is an episode of The Orville, which I can't believe I'm going to say this, is good television. So, yeah. it, it well. So, the basic premise of this show is Star Trek. That's it. It is basically, it is an interstellar spaceship capable of faster than light speed travel that has a crew of people, and they do science-y things and rescue people. And the people are in colors. Yes. What does that mean? They're uniforms, is what you mean. Yeah, like there's oh. a blue person, a red person, a yellow person. <laughs> well, because there are the also house. people who have different color skin. There is a person with blue skin yes. in, in the pilot. Uh, it was directed by Jonathan Freaks. Yes. This particular oh. episode was, yeah. Okay. And we were saying that one of the executive producers is Brandon Braga, who was like the showrunner on Star Trek Enterprise, he did which a lot I never of stuff watched. That he did a lot of producing for other, like Deep Space Nine, and I think Next Generation as well. Yeah. So this, honestly, I didn't. Did you watch Discovery? Yes. I So I didn't watch it because I don't want to tease myself with something I can't have. But I heard the criticism that it didn't feel like Star Trek. Yes, episode three in this one, the About a Girl one, felt more like Star Trek than the new Star Trek. Like, that to me was just a straight up interesting, decent episode of Star yes. Trek. Yes, yes. That's not the episode we're here to talk about. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> Which is not a good episode of Star Trek. Basically, they rescue a woman, Priya, played by Charlize Theron. And she and the captain have a flirtation. The captain's played by Seth MacFarlane. And the captain's first officer, played by ceiling girlfriend Adrienne Palicki, is his ex-wife. What? Hilarious drama. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, people could never break up and work together and have a normal relationship or be adults. What? Ha 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 ha. Hilarious. So she's all like, I don't like this woman who's you know, making goo-goo eyes at my man. I think Ladies she literally jealous. says goo-goo eyes. The phrase goo-goo <laughs> eyes is uttered not once, not twice, but four times. <laughs> and so she goes investigating with the security officer who is a tiny girl who mm. has super strength because she grew up on a planet with different gravity. With high gravity. Yes. Which I think that the show thinks is way funnier than it is. Can you open this pickle jar, little lady? Right. That's a repeated line. That is a catchphrase of this show. Oh, Whenever he can't open a stiff door. And the first time he did it, the punchline to it was she, she busted open the door and he said, I loosened it for you. Like, the comedy is just so tired. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you, I, a million percent guarantee you, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, that there's going to be a plot involving people stranded on a planet and then two ships at once are going to come to save them and they would be like, oh, it's like a bus. That's good. That's the level of the jokes that we're... That we're Bob, with. I do not get that I even a little. Don't <laughs> you not heard that? That's a common thing about waiting for a bus: is you wait for a long time and then two come along at once. Oh, oh, okay. 
I I have to say, I'm going to just say the highest point of comedy in this entire episode that I saw was the episode opens with them showing a clip from Seinfeld. So it does hold up. Answering our question from the (laughs) trial and error episode, they're still watching it in the 25th century. (laughs) So they show that clip from Seinfeld, and I was like, oh, that was funny. It's the Junior Mint episode. Correct. And then they try to explain comedy. Like, they're trying to explain to a robot, like, why that's comedic. And then it just felt very much like Seth MacFarlane was like, people need to not pick on me for... Picking apart comedy, like, just, when it's funny, it's funny, is what it felt like to me. And I felt like the rest of it, I was like, then show me anything funny. Yeah, I didn't think about that, that, but you're so right. Yeah, like, they were, like, someone was trying to expose, like, oh, you explain all the jokes, it ruins it. Like, it's just, you know, and the robot was like, oh, well, if you laugh at someone's suffering, like, that's not funny. And it's like, oh, if you're asked to question something behind your laughter, what a killjoy. And I was like, oh, this seems like something that comes up in his life a lot. Yeah. And that was sort of my entry to the episode. And after that- Because everyone's just, entry to the episode is literally the first scene, right? Yeah. yeah. But I just meant like, that was, I was like, oh, this is the high point of funny and now I'm done. Yeah. And I just felt like, and we can maybe cut this part out, but I was just like, Seth MacFarlane, I'm sorry, you're not Jerry Seinfeld and you never will be. Like, and that's just what it felt like to me is he was like, oh, this is the best. But I think that Seth MacFarlane is fine with not being Jerry Seinfeld in that he gets to be Captain Picard. Like, this is definitely reminding me of the Brandon Flowers video because it's like he is playing out his childhood id fantasies. Oh, true. And also he wrote this episode and guess who kisses him in this episode? Charlize Theron. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, we should talk about that because... The, the whole fantasy element of it, like, oh, he's getting to do what he wants, is a kind of a thing like, uh, he, it's this is a utopian sci-fi show. Right. It is not like the dark, gritty future. It is back to what Star Trek used to be like. Right. And so it's this kind of, and I feel like it is something I should agree with on paper, but it just doesn't work. It, like, it feels very artless. Yeah. It doesn't come across, well, it comes across just for the sake of Seth MacFarlane's ego. Right. It doesn't seem to play into any kind of utopian ideal at all. And I wonder how much of it, though, is my long-standing distaste for Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Seth MacFarlane in general is someone I should agree with on paper. But <laughs> for some reason, in person, I just can't... I'm just... Everything about him is like, no, you just come across as pathetic and lame. And I want to punch him in the face. Yeah. Regina said that when she was finishing up the episode. She was like, he's just so punchable. And I was like, accurate. <laughs> and I don't like to hit people, nor have I done it. <laughs> like, this episode feels to me... Like, I often feel like comedy gets a bad rap as being, like, lowbrow and not as, you know, meaningful or deep as drama. You know, it And we're win. comedians, so we should... Strongly object to that. Yeah, so I feel sensitive <laughs> to that, and I just am like, it just feels so empty of uh, any, like, it's just, it's so flat, like, I can't find a better way to say it, but it's just so, like, <sighs> and whereas yeah. I feel like the actual Star Trek, like, there's so much going on, and it's interesting, and there's, like, a moral center to it, like you said, like, it's a utopian society, and it is thoughtful, and it explores things, and this is just like, well, we're not a drama, so we don't have to have, like, a point of view, or a thing that we're trying to do, or an aspect of humanity that we're exploring, we're just gonna talk about practical jokes that cut a guy's leg off. That was something I laughed at. (laughs) (laughs) the android in attempting to understand humor amputates one of the character's legs while he is asleep 
And then the guy comes in, minus one leg, and was like, how dare you, android? And the android is like, ha, 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 ha. Oh, I can't help, I laughed. I also laughed when he he gets his leg regenerated, and but they don't finish the process, and then they need him back at the bridge, and so he comes in with a floppy leg. And I feel like this is, like, super ableist, but I was just like... Physical comedy! I love it! So that character is the only one who has successfully made me laugh at all, I think. It's played by Scott Grimes, who I remember from Party of Five, but apparently he also did a long long stint on ER. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, I'd never seen him before, but he is the only character... Like, at the beginning of this episode, there was a part that I was like, it's stupid, but when they're flying the shuttle into the comet... Yeah. And he's like, and Seven's like, why did your voice just get so he's like, he asked him, can you do this? And he was like, yeah. And he's like, well, why did your voice get so high? And then they had that exchange, and at the end of it, he goes, yeah, no problem, I got this. Like, in a low <laughs> voice. And that was the only part that made me go, literally one chuckle, just, huh. And that was it. That's as much as I have laughed at the whole show. Have you ever seen a play, and this is always my reference, but <laughs> where the character, the actors are trying to figure out the laugh timing, and sometimes like people will laugh, but the character or the actor is not expecting it, so they start their next line too soon, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit like, oh, oh, no, you gotta, you gotta feel out the room. This feels like an actor who is so used to getting uproarious laughter that they're luxuriating in a pause, waiting for that, and it never comes. It feels like many lines in this TV show, like the yeah, uh, you know, like my voice is high, my voice is low, then has like a pause for a laugh track, and I'm like. Nope. Yeah, nope. there's no laugh nope. track. Crickets, Nor crickets, does it deserve crickets. one. Another thing I laughed at that Scott Grimes said was respectively submit that the attractiveness of the ship's occupant makes rescue imperative. Yeah, that was a funny line, but it, was, it wasn't delivered well. Like There if, was a line that was delivered so poorly when he finds out that his ex-wife had gone into Charlize's quarters to investigate and he talks about like how that's such a violation. And did you read her diary too? And she said, "No, we didn't find it." Yeah. Like that's a joke. Yeah, it's not a great joke, but it's a joke. And she says it dead serious. Yeah, and, and they, I wanted and just, to be like, "Oh, oh, what? honey, that's somebody needs to highlight for her yeah. where the jokes are." Yeah, the, the the actual funniest joke in the whole show was also uh, by. Scott Grimes yeah, uh, was when, it's actually in a different episode, it was in the About a Girl episode. The good one. The good one, where they're doing a thing where this, the setup is this particular race views females as inferior. So they're doing a courtroom scene where she's trying to say, oh, females are physically, can be physically and intellectually superior. So she has a super strong girl to do a demonstration. And then she's like, and on to intellectual superiority. And then it cuts and that guy is sat in on the stand. And that, and his, and his like expression just says everything. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's actually funny. Yeah. Like that was the funny, that, that made me go, huh. Yeah. And that was it. That was the high point of everything. I felt like the show tried to, or this episode tried to do cut humor like, he and Charlize are sitting in a simulated beautiful realm, and then they kiss, and he's like, I just got out of a divorce, let's not take things too fast, and then quick cut, they're naked in bed together, and they right. just had sex. And it's like, A, that joke's been made a million times. Yeah, that really felt like a 1980s comedy moment to me. Yes. And, yeah, and it was just really like, nope, that, like, it, it just felt like, a th- like, everything that happens in this episode, you can see coming a mile away. Like, when all of a sudden, surprise, Charlize isn't who she says she is. She's wearing a sinister outfit, and it's like, okay. So let's go to spoiler territory. What is it called? Uh, spoiler country. Ah, uh, yes. So it's been incorporated. <laughs> um, so in spoiler country, Maybe we find out. Maybe in space out... you go to the spoiler quadrant. 
<laughs> All right. So in the spoiler <laughs> quadrant, you find out that Charlize is not who she says she is, or I guess she has the same name or whatever, but basically her, her motives are impure. She is an antiques collector from the 29th century who came through a wormhole to hijack this ship and send it into the future. At one point in the episode, she had also navigated them out of some kind of gravity field or dark something. Matter dark matter storm. storm. Okay. Yeah. So she saved the ship from destruction. And so she's telling them, guys, you would have all died if I didn't save you. So it doesn't matter if I take you to the 29th century. In fact, I must take you to the 29th century or the timeline will be altered and blah, 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 danger. They mention temporal law. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is this is where sci-fi is, gets yeah, this interesting. Is, this is the interesting part. Right, I'm like, the, and that's what be, is the good thing in, in the third episode, is that... Uh, they like, actually explore, and there's a consequence. Correct. They, yes. they ideas and consequences. And yep. good, interesting lacked. ones. And that episode was also written by Seth MacFarlane, which blows me away. So I feel like there is somewhere in all of this the potential for a good show. Mm-hmm. And I just doubt it will ever get there yeah i i i hope that they like evaluate what they're doing after a certain number of episodes and like try and hone it down because people i when that third episode came out the internet kind of like bubbled up a little bit but like oh this is actually interesting okay good did something good so hopefully they recognize that and do more stuff like that because every other sci-fi content that's been on display has been like incredibly obvious and then not taken anywhere at all right so like there is an episode where they discover a ship floating in space like a, a massive ship that has like its own ecosystem and the people in it have no idea they're on a ship and there's like this religious sect has started and people are getting like mob mentality so it's heresy like a, and stuff it is an interesting idea but it's also kind of old hat Exactly, but it's like, but but they mentioned at one point they were like, um, "Oh, it's in the six months, it's going to fall into the into a star." Right. Okay? So what would have been really interesting is instead of just being this like, "Oh, you know, religious mob mentality is bad," knowledge about the universe is good. If they had had it been like, you could have made it like a global warming allegory. Oh, it's getting closer and closer to the star. It's getting hotter and hotter. Why? Is it natural, unnatural, etc.? Like, that could have been really interesting debate and exploration. Yeah. Um, but they don't do that. The whole thing is resolved by Adrian Palecki being tied to a chair and smacked around, and then they rescue her, and then the actual debate about what, like, the theology of it is never had. No. Which is just really disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I, but. You see, again, it's like they've sort of laid out the groundwork for an interesting sci-fi episode. They just haven't, they don't succeed. It just feels so intellectually lazy for me. And, like, I am someone who, like, I'm not a good writer because I'm like, oh, here's a fun idea. I don't want to sit at a computer and write the thing or use a piece of paper. But (laughs) I also am not a professional writer, so that's okay for me. But it feels like Seth MacFarlane's like, I've got this vague idea, and I'm not going to do any work to sharpen it, edit it, explore it, like, tease it out. It's just like... That's enough. Let's yeah, move it, on with it, that. It feels like a first draft. Every episode yes. feels like a first draft. Except or, for the third one, which is good. A which sloppy is good. copy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like, it, it might even be like, oh, there's you know enough ideas for fewer episodes and they've had to divide them up too much. Oh, that's interesting. But it's hard It's hard to really say uh, what exactly the problem is. Because like, yeah, like you say, it's like there's set up for like a good sci-fi idea that they just don't take anywhere. Right. 
And, like, I feel ready to watch some sci-fi that's not just dystopian nightmare because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm living that. So I don't necessarily need to turn to TV as an allegory for a dystopian world. So, I completely agree. Um, I, what's, I can't watch Black Mirror. Nope. <laughs> don't want that. Nope. <laughs> Too rough. You should totally not watch Star Trek Discovery then because okay. that is also oddly dystopian. No, thank you. Good thing it's locked in an internet vault. <laughs> <laughs> There was, in the plot, as it wraps up, they sort of pop into the 29th century and pop right back for boring, I don't really care reasons. The android is killed and not killed, and he makes a Seinfeld reference, which is relevant somehow. Who knows? Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So they decide, off screen, that they're going to have to destroy the wormhole so that the... It, like, makes them not have altered the timeline? It means the people from the 29th century can't use the wormhole to come back in the past and mess with them anymore. So if they destroy it in the past, it means that in the future it won't be there for Priya to have used. Okay, so she says to him, because they had fucked, she's like, so what you're telling me is that, you know, if I never came back here, then you'll still be a sad, pathetic man who can't get over his wife. I have two things to say. First of all, he clearly was continuing to not get over his wife. Uh, <laughs> Ex-wife. That's right. Second thing, that's not how time travel works. Nope. So I, we obviously don't know how time travel really works, but when I was a kid, Terminator 2 Judgment Day was one of my favorite <laughs> movies, and I watched it over and over and over again. And at one point, I was like, Dad, I don't understand. If they fix the Terminators, then how does Kyle Reese come back? And Father John Connor. Like, shouldn't John Connor cease to exist? Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, you can't change the past. He's like, you can only change the past from the present. You can't change the past from the future. Does right. that make sense? Yes. And he showed me with a piece of string. Okay, he literally, I think he actually used a belt. He bent the belt back to the first loop. And he's like, okay, that's you getting into the past. And now as you move forward, the belt straightens out again. And... What happened back there still is the past. They do this explanation in Back to the Future Part 2 as well. So it's the branching future theory. So like you can start when you make a decision, there's the there's both timelines of you making that decision and not making that decision. So if you do one thing, you go this way. If you do the other thing, you go this way. Yes. So Skynet is sending Terminators back from one future and is affecting it to make another future happen. Right. So that is what should have been happening in this episode, where she uh, should she should have become trapped in the past when they dis- describe Correct. the wormhole, but instead she ceases to exist. Yes, and then we're treated to a shot of Seth MacFarlane's face, and I think it's supposed to be like he had feelings, and then the feelings go away because he has never met Priya. But instead, it's just the blankest stare I may have ever I- seen on screen. I actually thought for a second, like, did they just take a picture and just hold it on screen for, like, 30 seconds instead? It's so lifeless and dead behind the eyes, I do not understand. And then yeah. the title card actor. comes up, and it's literally like, wait, what? Like, what What just happened? It feels like bad editing. Yeah. It, it feels like they held too long on a shot, and they were like, oh, just end it, it's fine. Also, guys, it's a comedy. Like, that felt like Sarah McLaughlin music should have started playing well, uh, a la Buffy. Yeah, but here's <laughs> the thing. This show just needs to deal with the fact that it's not a comedy. Also, this show, I'm just sort of like, has no one who signed off on this seen Galaxy Quest? Because, like, the Star Trek parody that this world needs and deserves exists. Yeah. Like, we have it, and it's beautiful and true, and Enrico Colatoni is in it, and that's all this universe needs. And it's perfect. 
And it's also a successful parody that still celebrates the source material, celebrates the tropes that it is enacting, which is so great. This show is not a parody. All of the comedy is completely unrelated to To, science fiction. It's not sci-fi related jokes. Right. It is just very juvenile humor inserted into sci-fi adventures. It's barely even juvenile because it's, it's the, if it was like lots of fart and poop jokes and whatever, I would be like, you could get more on board with that kind of thing because at least it would have some kind of thrust behind it. But this just is just lame. It's like, oh, I'm awkward in the elevator. What? That, that's not even... It's barely a joke. So they do have a gelatinous creature. Oh, yes. voiced this by made, Norm MacDonald. This made me mad. And he, like, sexually harasses the doctor. Okay, I did not see that in those other episodes. Okay, I can't... In, I'm, they're all bleeding together in my brain. <laughs> okay, well, in this episode, when Priya is being introduced to everyone in the crew, all everyone... Like, everyone's basically like, uh, she's hot, she's so hot, she's so hot. Which felt like Seth MacFarlane being like, I can't believe she's doing this show for me. She's so hot. Only putting it in the voice of other characters. And then this green blob, like, goes to shake her hand. But was I the only one who felt like it looked like a penis coming out? Well, so that's the joke that they make. Yeah, they make a joke in another episode where he's sexually harassing the doctor and she's like, I can't actually have sex with you. And then he makes a little penis arm. And says, there's more where that came from. So, this is my Who is Keanu? (laughs) I generally don't want it. This is one of those things where I'm like, Keanu, you're better than this. But voice acting is easy, cheap money. And he deserves it. So, this is also just a... It's been in, like, two episodes. It's not a every episode character. Yeah. So, like, once a month, Keanu pops into the voice booth, records a couple of stupid jokes, and gets his paycheck. But I was also thinking about it a little bit more. And I was like, it seems really lazy to make this gross, gelatinous blob have a gross character in a gross voice. How cool right. would it be if he was actually, like, super suave? And right. that the doctor was, like, genuinely taken by him. Right. That would be awesome. So that's my Keanu. That's a really good one. What's Thank you. Keanu? I have not actually come up with a Keanu, but I think he'd be better. I think Seth MacFarlane should, much like Michael Richards, be erased from history. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be, he should be the captain. He's better than that. <laughs> but like, it would come across as more earnest and genuine and yeah. less lame if it were Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I have to do that too, because like no other characters really stood out in any way to me, except for the guy who was vaguely funny. And I don't, that's not an aspersion on him, it's just the material. So I would also just get Seth MacFarlane out of it. And I know that there are some of you out there who may also feel like, uh, at the end, a wooden blank stare is something that you would expect from Keanu Reeves to not have a lot of depth. You would all be wrong, That's first right. of all. Uh, <laughs> and I just think it would be just so laden with uh, perfection that I'd be like, alright, great, like, I guess he can do that. And I don't know, maybe serialized TV would be, like, fun for him. That's that's entirely possible. Whereas, like, voice acting, like, he might just be like, I'm saying some dumb lines about penises, and I can't even see my pal Charlize. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I also am kind of like, I kind of wanted, I, when I saw Norm MacDonald's name come up in the credits, I was like, oh, I haven't seen him in a while. That'll be fun. He's funny. I didn't even know till the end that he was the blob voice. Like, it just, I was like, oh, oh. I just blanked out. Oh, that he okay. Because it's so boring and uninteresting. Yeah, and I was also yeah. like, is that a pe- Okay. So one of the things I I meant to mention earlier was this story, I think maybe all of the stories that they've done so far have all already been done by The Next Generation. The Next Generation is The Simpsons Did It of sci-fi television, though. Almost, yeah. yeah. I remember that they did it for Prometheus. 
That is true, <laughs> yes. They had done a better version of Prometheus before Prometheus. Uh, but The Next Generation had an episode, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was about someone who um, claimed to be an artifacts dealer from the future, um, but actually turned out to be a con man from the past who had stolen someone from the future's time machine. That's awesome! <laughs> yeah. So it was instantly more interesting uh, just in that surface level detail, but then there was also a whole like conflict that was going on. That he didn't save them from a conflict. He was bound to to not interfere, right? Uh, but and they got into a conflict. And he was, and Captain Picard was like, "I need to know if I make the right decision here because the ship is in jeopardy." Right, and he couldn't tell him. And you thought he couldn't tell him because he was obeying his temporal code of conduct, but actually he couldn't tell him because he was from the past. So. It, it like all twisted on itself and was like really interesting like dynamics of like what are the laws what should you do da 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 yeah that was infinitely more interesting than this which was just like oh, I'm an antique dealer from the future let's go through a wormhole let's go back through the wormhole the end yeah watching you light up while describing that was more entertaining <laughs> than the entire episode I want to ask a question and I want us to all answer at the same time okay okay uh, would this be improved by a prison riot yes. yes! Okay, next segment. <laughs> Here's something. Here's something. There was an episode where they got trapped in an alien zoo, which would have been improved by, by a, a zoo, zoo riot. riot. Oh, amazing. But amazing. guess what? That didn't happen. I am also, guys, I'm going to take a firm stance. I refuse to call anything in this a Charlie Zenith. It doesn't deserve the title. Nope. It's, so it's a, a Charlie's uh, foothill. It was like, oh, <laughs> she sort of bounced up above something that was very pedestrian. And that is, there is a line about, like, well, you should go to hell, but he doesn't... What is it called? What does he say? Uh, he's, I, he's like, I know where you can go. Oh, and she just waits for him to say it, and he's like, to hell. And she's like, I don't know what that means. And Is I that agree- an expression? Uh, yeah, the yeah. way that she says that, like, is that a thing that people say? I also thought that yeah, that was that- genuinely, like... I don't want to say genuinely funny. That approached actual comedy. Yeah, yeah again, that would have been a joke on paper. But right. delivered by Seth MacFarlane, it's not funny. Yes, Charlize did her damnedest. Oh yes. yeah, she she has timing. So um, there's another line in this that bothered me so much. Charlize and Adrian Palicki are having a girl fight. There's actual slaps involved. Come on, people. And Charlize says, well, I wouldn't have cheated on my husband. And then Adrian Palicki turns to Seth MacFarlane and says, you told her? And he says, she's from the future, so she knew. And Adrian Palicki says, but it's in the past. What does that mean? Yeah, that's the dumbest line ever. Like, because people I, from the future know things from the past. Correct. That's like, how it works. Future Regina is going to know what past Regina was doing right now. Exactly. Right. It's the so, dumbest thing. I don't get it. And maybe it was supposed to be a joke. I don't... But he then immediately caves. Right. Yeah. I uh, It didn't make sense. No. The time travel in this was all wrong. Yeah. Everything about it was wrong. My... You told her? No. <laughs> She's from the future. I did tell her. Put her in the brig. That's the scene. That's about how it was delivered by everyone. Yes. Charlize yep. does get a bloody mouth. Yep, yeah. as usual. Yep, she loves her blood, her bloody mouth. Do you guys have Charlize foothills? I do have a foothill, which is, <laughs> again, it's a shallow one. I really liked her outfit at the cocktail party. Oh, the wire? Where she's basically wearing, like, a, a spool of wire it's, wrapped around her, like, in a corset. It's very Eon Flux inspired. Yes, I very much enjoyed that. And I also was making a bunch of angry notes about, like, 
Because she comes on the on the ship in like a tattered uniform, and I'm like, did they just like take her to the onboard boutique? Yeah, but then regenerate a leg. In another episode, they show that they have a clothing store, which is basically like a table to generate things. Okay. So I'm glad I watched the other episodes just to settle that question. <laughs> I guess my Charlie Zenith would have been uh, foot- no, Charlie's no, no. foot. Charlie's Canyon. <laughs> Uh, no, Canyon's a bad thing. A Char- oh, okay, so this is a Charlie's molehill. <laughs> there we um, go. Would probably be when they first turned the like communicated with her over the view screen, and yeah. she's like in all the like sparking stuff is going off or back, back behind her and stuff, and she's just being like, "I'm in trouble," blah blah blah, because uh, that was the only time there was any kind of acting at all. Yeah, uh, where someone there was any kind of genuine peril or anything. Uh, what? So you remember how when we watched The Last Face and you were like, maybe this is an elaborate funny game. Yes. Maybe this is an elaborate like Brechtian exercise (laughs) where no one is allowed to show that they're acting and they're just supposed to (laughs) indicate what's going on so that we like see behind the veil and we're supposed to be able to predict what happens so that we can have a different experience, but I sort of doubt that that's what's happening. Um, but yeah, so that would be my Charlie's end. No, 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 no. Charlie's <laughs> molehill. Yeah, just because, also that reminded me of a real Star Trek episode, like that element to it. Oh, yeah. Communicating with someone who's in trouble and they're like, please come help me. Yeah. Uh, I knew I was not going to like the show for a lot of reasons or this episode, but after that, I was like, oh, there's a warm, like, ooh, maybe I'm feeling tense for this. And their escape from it was so lacking in any urgency yes. or peril. It was just a like, we've come onto the ship. Let's put her onto the shuttle. Let's uh, leave. Oh, oh, we might fall into the sun. And there's a tractor beam. Like, it was so, like, there was no, like, camera work that made it tense. There was no acting that made it tense. There were no, di- and they were like, oh, phew. And I was like, what are you relieved about? That wasn't scary at all. No, it wasn't. Right, yeah. You can't have your danger and peril scene at the beginning of the episode. They've also done a really poor job of establishing why 20th century humor is such a big part of their lives. Yes. Like, I expected that there was going to be that in the pilot, but just from the beginning, it's just like, yeah, we care about the stuff that a 40-year-old man in 2017 would care <laughs> about. And and it's like, because I think, I never watched Star Trek Enterprise, but it's my understanding mm. that the captain on that show was like a 20th century history buff. No, there were, oh, maybe? I didn't really watch that show so much. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't very good. I might be conflating it with in, something in else. In Voyager, there was a person who was a 20th century history buff. That is probably what Tom I'm thinking Tom Paris of. was all about... That is 100% what I'm thinking of. Yes, <laughs> he was like the dashing one. Yes. Okay, right. So, yeah. So, like, that's a great workaround, okay? Yeah. Like, do that, guys, please. Or, you know, the, the best way to introduce it was Futurama. The person is actually from right. the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, and therefore injects 20th century humor into futuristic situations. But they just have it. Yeah. It's just present. He calls someone Nancy Drew. You know what else they have that I kept noticing? I was like, oh, man, this ship is definitely uh, decorated from a... Uh, Pinterest page. Look, there's a fiddly fig in the background. Oh, look, everything's from Ikea. Like, it looked What's very... What's a fiddly fig? There's one Fiddle... over there. Fiddly figs <laughs> are very trendy in the home decorating and home blogger world. It's that little plant? They get to be very big. It's in uh, the captain's office. It's just a thing that, like, comes up in design blogs all over HGTV nonsense. I mean, it's cute. Yeah, no, they're great and they're hearty. I'm not knocking a fiddly fig. You have one. They're very trendy, as I learned when I went. And I was like, oh, I heard this plant doesn't die. And he was like, ugh, I can't keep them in stock. All these Lawrenceville people are buying them. 
rude. I mean, <laughs> you know, he said it in a charming way, okay. but he was sort of like, oh, man. Like, and I did not stop know. keeping me in business, oh, Lauren. Customers are paying me for this. <laughs> so, yeah. lazy period work, one of my least favorite of all things, <laughs> abounds. Yeah. So, guys, if you really love Star Trek, watch About a Girl, which Correct. is the third episode of this. It does a good job of investigating, like, transgender issues a little bit. I know. Can uh, you believe that Seth MacFarlane wrote an episode of television that respectfully and interestingly handles transgender issues? I cannot. It is it it's startling. true. And <laughs> it had a, a meaningful conclusion. I was, again, I'm not going to do this every time, but there was a Star Trek Next Generation episode that handled this where they had an androgynous race uh, and that had a very kind of like meaningful and bleak ending to it. And this one had the ending that you were not rooting for. Yes. Like it, it, it ended on, on a note you were like, oh shit. Which yeah. makes it more powerful and interesting. Yes, I stopped organizing my new lipstick tower to actually watch that episode. Yeah, it was. And I that's was very a really surprised. that's a, that's high marks. Yes. You know what that just made me think? Imagine a lipstick tower at a donor event next to a banana tower. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen. Oh my guys. god! What if that was like the giveaway? It's like lipsticks and bananas. Take from the tower. Thanks for your donation. <laughs> okay. So, any other thoughts about this episode? <sighs> <laughs> a dramatic uh, sigh I think I've watched all that I need to watch yeah I, I honestly I, I kind of want like you said the internet bubbled up I want like a ping if another good episode happens like can I subscribe to a twitter feed that will tell me so yeah I think you probably can okay. I think that will exist um, I, I, I will probably notice because I keep track of that kind of thing just generally also what we should mention is you don't have to watch all the episodes you and i watch all of them for the sake of completeness yeah but it was not necessary you just need to watch if you want to be any kind of complete any kind of completeness you can just watch the pilot which establishes everything and is bad and is terrible but you can then just watch any other episode in any order right they don't really have they don't follow on they don't uh they don't connect. well episode two does end with the cliffhanger that is resolved in episode that is true. three but yeah. it's not worth there's no reason to watch no can i ask of like what good science fiction comedy material is out there besides like galaxy quest and firefly futurama futurama yeah, uh, Rick and Morty, I cannot recommend highly enough. Beyond Mostly animated stuff, I gotta say. Not a lot of uh, live action. Like, like, I'm a nerd. I I like science fiction a lot. And I, I like comedy. I try to do it. So I was, I was just curious. Like, maybe there's stuff out there that I don't know about. Well, I mean, our listeners, if you like some sci-fi comedy, mm-hmm. please alert us. There are also some hysterical episodes of The Next Generation. I was just going to say that, honestly, yeah. I I remember laughing a lot at various episodes of The Next Generation. Yeah. So, you know, because they would do goofy ones, yes. right? And so this show basically feels like it wants to be a goofy episode, or like it wants to be a series of goofy episodes of Star Trek yep. The Next Generation, but it is missing the mark. So, anyway, guys... Next week, we're going to continue the Seth MacFarlane journey, and we are going to watch A Million Ways to Die in the West, so please think of us as we go on this. I know. And we'll find out. How did he get her to do it twice? Right, exactly. Does he have dirt on her? Maybe he's better in person. I don't know. She also took part in that boob segment of the Oscars. I didn't know much about Seth MacFarlane, and to be fair, I still don't. I don't know a lot about pop culture or people or life on this earth in America, but... 
I was like, oh, Seth MacFarlane did Family Guy, and I used to think that was sort of funny, but then I didn't, and then I was kind of like, eh, this guy seems annoying. And then the boobs thing happened, I was like, fuck that dude. Yeah. Like, that just seemed, I'm still, I'm still annoyed about that. But then he also does do things like Cosmos and things like that, which are really good. Wait, uh, what? So he did, he produced the, and like, I, I guess was instrumental in the remake of Cosmos. What? The like same... with Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah. What? <laughs> so I, I, I don't think he wrote it or anything like that. But he like gave it money or produced yeah, it? Yeah, he was the person behind the, that getting remade. He's, again, it's like on paper, I should like Seth MacFarlane. He's just douchey. Yeah. yeah. I also, like, this just feeds into the like, I just resent that there can't be someone of equal talent as him, who's a woman who can have the kind of career that he does. This show clearly illustrates that he has a golden ticket with Fox. They're just like, what show do you want to make? We will make it for you. Right. He, he sold enough DVDs for them that he can do whatever right. he wants. Yeah. Uh, and I've also really enjoyed Family Guy in the past. Like, when I was a student, loved it. But I grew up and now I think it's awful. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Come back next week for us to continue this strange and confusing trek into the creative partnership of Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron. And I, Liam Neeson, don't forget, he's in... He was also in one of the episodes yep. of The Orville. So I'm also just going to say, like, we're bringing special guests in next week to help us get through this because they're some of the funniest people that we know, and I think that they will help us have a light heart as we review it. So here we go! And special guests, get us through! Alright, alright. <laughs> Thanks to Alex for our amazing theme song. Thank you for listening. And most of all, thank you, Charlies. Somewhat. <laughs>